Good evening and welcome to another edition of the Comics Pals Book Club. I'm Kale Ward and this week we will be talking about Pride of Baghdad from Vertigo Comics. It's written by Brian K. Vaughn and the art was done by Nico Henrichon. And I Ooh. am very sorry. <laughs> We're starting off strong, boys. With lettering by Todd Klein. Um, so before we get into the nitty gritty, I want to ask you boys a question. Oh. Okay. A random question. You of the shut book your face, Kel. Please proceed. <laughs> Who is going to have the most to say about this book? Kale, because he's the host. Ooh. Da, 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 da. I'm going to say the listener. When they write in to tell us how they feel about the book club. I hate this. It's going to be Phil. Like, we all know <laughs> that, right? Like, Phil's going to dominate the conversation here. I was going to say Pete, right? Like, is that not obvious? Isn't that my? Isn't that just my thing? Uh, I mean, Pete will be the loudest for sure. Like, that's, that's, that's no question. This, this bit has a lot of heat. I mean, what do you want us to I, say? It's Phil. Yes, Listen, Phil. We all understand how big of an expert Pete is on the East. Uh, <laughs> this book takes place east of us, so you know. Okay. This is the Middle East. It has East right in the title. Listeners, Pete is an expert on anything east of New Jersey. That's where he's from, New Jersey. You see. Yeah. And if you appreciate that joke, you'll appreciate the rest of our shitty podcasts. Uh, Great, now, Way to sell them on it, my dude. Hey, you, you guys are the ones stomping all over my bit. All right, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on a on a serious note, uh, before we get this started, I do just want to take a second to uh, throw out uh, just a bit of a trigger warning for this book. Uh, there is uh, some pretty graphic violence done to and between animals um, of. Uh, physical and sexual nature so uh, just a heads up if that uh, upsets you in any way we want to give you the out and uh, we'll see you for the next one hopefully uh, first though uh, let me tell you where you can find the rest of the pals network products you can find the five of us on the comics pals every monday on any of your favorite podcast platforms like soundcloud or apple podcasts you can find the video game pals on tuesdays on the same channel for audio but separate channels for youtube videos and that's at the comics pals on twitter and instagram or if you do uh like many of our listeners do and uh uh want to email us you can do so at the comics pals at gmail.com uh and of course you can find our website at www.thecomicspals.geocities.com okay sweet so whatever that was Kale, take it away. Let's get into this shit. Let's talk about the book. <laughs> okay. What what you guys think of it? Wow, real, <laughs> real, real hot talk no, right there. Hold on. Hold on. No, 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 no. Don't give me that horse shit. This is how we start every book club. Okay, but you throw it to us real hot. <laughs> Listen, it's not my job. It is your job. <laughs> it's, it's literally your um, job. Okay, so I'll start. Uh, so I actually had no clue at all what to expect. Literally none. Thought it was going to be a book about soldiers in war. Uh, I literally didn't know anything about it. I saw the cover. I saw a lion. I was like, oh, all right. Still thought it was about soldiers in war. 
Uh, I saw the first couple pages, and then there was like the overhead flying of the the um, the whatever the planes, and I was like, oh okay, cool. So this is how they're gonna get into the story about soldiers of war. And then it still <laughs> was not about that. So I was like, what the hell am I about to read right now? Um, so that's what I was expecting, and it, it subverted my expectations entirely in that regard. Um, but I, I'm a lot happier that I got what I got because it's very different. Uh, it's very different, very unique, um, very brisk. And, mm. uh, you know, I'm excited to talk about it because, I, like I said, I didn't know what to expect, but I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, when uh, <clears throat> we we uh, talked, we'd mentioned how short it was, and and I it's it's been a while since I read this for the first time, and uh, so I said it was five issues, and I sat down to to read it, to reread it for this, and I went, oh, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I read it in twenty <laughs> yeah. minutes. Yeah. Yeah, dude, same here. Like I um I got through what I thought was the first two or so issues. And then, like, took a break to eat lunch and came back to finish it and was like, oh, I'm done in another, like, five minutes. Mm. Like, it was like, this is a ext- extremely brisk read. Uh, yeah, I think, um, I think it's uh, 136. Yeah, so that's, like, it's like four issues, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, I, and, like, that for me made it fun just because, like, even though it was sort of – it wasn't this, like – longer tale it was just this condensed story and i think that was uh nice it 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 felt fun to read because at the end of it you got a good uh you got a good story out of it and Mm. you didn't you weren't there for like an hour and a half to to sort of get that and i think that's valuable for it yeah i agree um it it felt like kind of like uh like a novella almost yeah yeah like that where it's just like it's it was a tight narrative and like i liked that it didn't it didn't leave me wanting more mm. like it was just like wow like that was a really just enjoyable experience but i have to say <clears throat> the thing that you said sean about going in with your expectations being totally messed up that was my experience too like i saw the line on the cover and my immediate thought was oh that's really cool symbolism yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was just actually about lions and i was like oh all right great but I gotta say that was that was like I was actually really excited when I realized it was a story about lions. I was like, this is I'm actually way more interested in a talking animal story I think than soldiers. I appreciate that we're doing this book because it's been one of those like that's been on my list to read. Uh, I've been aware of it, and it's just one of those books that I'm like, I, you know, it's one of those required readings for like a, a Brian K. Vaughn. So I, I uh, counter just kind of like Sean and and uh, and Pete. I. I, I knew what I was getting going into it, um, and I think that that made it a lot more rewarding too. But I, but it's cool like that you guys had that sort of just flipped on you guys. That's that's pretty cool too for like the book to do that. I feel well, yeah, because like I'm I was just gonna say, I feel like this is a Marco book. I feel like this. Yeah, it's my jam. A book you'd enjoy, yeah. Yeah, it was it was very very much uh, something I I was into, um, and knowing that it was. Like you said, Marco, being like a big Brian K. Vaughn fan, like I, this is one of the the few gaps I have for him. Mm. So like I was, that was enough for me. Was that he had written it? Yeah, yeah. And I went in as blind as possible, and it was great. I I didn't know anything about the book either going in. Um, I I quickly accepted that the narrative uh, featured uh, anthropomorphic animals to an extent, and um, 
I really liked it a lot. First thing I thought when I started reading it was like, oh, this reminds me a lot of um, one of my favorite books, George Orwell's Animal Farm, mm. Um, mm. which is all about uh, animals trying to liberate themselves from people. And I was real dialed in for it. And uh, it was a really pleasant surprise, I guess, because I think when you read anything with zero expectations, obviously it can go either way. And for for this to turn out as eloquent as it did, uh, and, and, and thoughtful, too. Uh, Brian K. Vaughn... Uh, had a lot to say, I thought, about um, about uh, the kind of Iraq war and more specifically that kind of um, bath party, or bath party rather, period of Saddam Hussein's reign of Iraq uh, through animals. And I was, I was really into it. This is a really good book. So this uh, story is uh, based on a true story. Um, in 2003, there was a, um, a group of uh, four lions who were uh, shot dead by U.S. troops. Um, and I, I, I have this article here from, uh, from The Guardian, which is only four paragraphs um, of, like, the actual event. So I thought I would just read that and get... You know, we can get, like, the, the real-life uh, historical context here real quick. And uh, we'll uh, talk about the rest of it. All right. Uh, so this is Tuesday, the 22nd of April, 2003. Four starving lions, which escaped from the Baghdad Zoo, were shot dead by U.S. troops after two of the animals charged at them. The lions, which had not been fed for days, escaped from their outdoor pen through a crumbling wall at the weekend, said Sergeant Matthew Oliver of the 3rd Infantry Division. Two of them charged our guys, he added. We had to take them down. The zoo was home to seven lions, two tigers, and hundreds of other animals, nearly all of which were stolen or let loose by the looters. Only the big cats were left, apparently too fierce for the looters. Three lions and two tigers remained in the zoo. Zookeeper came the next day, and he was pretty cut up, but I think he understood, said Sergeant Oliver. The surviving animals, who went unfed for more than 10 days in the confusion that followed the collapse of Saddam Hussein's rule, now have regular meals of meat donated by Kuwait. Mandor the Siberian tiger, the property of Saddam's eldest son, Uday, looked plumper and healthier than he did last week, while Sudka... The lioness appeared contented in her cage. The zoo is protected by U.S. soldiers and four armored personnel carriers. Sergeant Oliver said zoo staff came daily to feed and care for the animals. Two brown bears raised by, uh, released by looters excuse me, wandered back to the zoo at the weekend. Sergeant Oliver said bad, Baghdad, Baghdad residents had also returned two hybrid dogs, but otherwise the compound was a sad, desolate place. Monkeys, bears, horses, birds, and camels have disappeared from the zoo. Huh. They disappeared? I, I assume they either died or just went into the wild. Or, or they were looted. I like I like yeah. the language of that looters came and stole the animals. Like it's Not to say that it's unrealistic for exotic animals to be stolen and find 
some way to profiteer off them, but I like I like them being characterized as looters. Yeah. Um that's it's an unfortunate story all around. Um there if I'm not mistaken, wasn't there correct me if I'm wrong, guys, wasn't there an element in Sheriff of Babylon by Mitch Dryads and Tom King where there was like a caged up animal held by uh some kind of wealthy prince or something? Oh, Yes, I think so. Um, uh, fuck. I, yeah, I, 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 I think that might have been, yeah. I don't like remember a, that. Like a tiger. I, I do remember the, the bathhouse pretty specifically. And that's that's such a characteristic of like a just completely unfettered kind of like wealthy-ass prince or something where it's like, oh, yeah, here, sure. here's, my, here's my jackalope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I think is is interesting about that, what you just read, Kale, is that that that's not what's in the book, right? Um, in the book, mm. they had eaten, and they had been yeah. fed regularly, and you know they get shot because one of the soldiers was just scared or whatever. Um, so. Yeah. The the book doesn't really give us a a, a time scale. They. Uh, before the the bombing happens they they're fed and then it all just goes to shit right well even right before they get shot they they ate a bit off the bear right i believe oh no. yeah no 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 they the didn't. bear and uh, the because the, the the male lion uh what was oh his name? right uh, zill zill, zill. Yeah. said let's leave him the way he is and we'll let like the vultures get him and, the, and then the youngest lion said, and the fireflies? And they're like, oh, the fireflies don't really eat flesh, but he was talking about the planes flying overhead. Right. Well, I guess the, that even then, the implication is that they're not that hungry to where they would have attacked soldiers. They didn't even want to eat the soldiers. But of course... I don't... I don't, I don't yeah, because Zill gets shot unprovokedly. Yes. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's the key difference between the book and the, the story that actually occurred. Uh, so I, I I get why Vaughn would have made that flip, but uh, I do feel like that's that's kind of a, a mischaracterization that uh, I had a different reading of this before I heard that than I but do now. I, I don't I don't think them not eating the bear and not eating the person is indicative of their hunger. They uh, the oldest lion obviously at this point spoilers for anyone Safa. Safa yeah, said... It's a, it's a 12-year-old book based on a, a, a real event. I'm not worried about spoilers. We're doing a book club where this is what it yeah, is. Yeah, I know, but I, I always like yeah. to mention it just because. Just in case this is your first time listening, just, it's spoilers, okay? Uh, Safa mentions we don't eat the keepers. They provided for us. And, and mm-hmm. Zill is fully prepared to eat the human. He, and he's like, all I care about is the pride. Uh and the reason why Zill doesn't want to eat the bear is to make a statement uh, because of the, the the bear represents the bear represents someone like Saddam Hussein, okay? Because he's a torturer to Here everyone. Here we go. Yeah, right. He, <laughs> he he he's like the torturer in a house. He himself was shackled to his house because Saddam Hussein himself was shackled to Iraq, but he tortures everyone within the house, which in this case is that oldest lion. And so when Zill. Uh, kicks like has him thrown out the window and he's trampled by the horses. It's a statement. They won't eat him. So just because they didn't eat the the, the person and just because they didn't eat the bear doesn't mean they weren't hungry. They were both statements. 
And so to Kale's point, what I, what I think he was trying to say is you don't really get a sense of the passage of time. They could have been out there for days, not really made clear, so they could have been starving. That, but that is, all, all that you said has nothing to do with what I was saying, which is that there's a difference between them t- charging at soldiers because they were hungry and what happens in the book, which well, is the, the opposite of that. In the book, the, pers- the, the American says they charged at us. Right. And he's he's surprised by it. And he's like, oh, I guess you had to do what you had to do. So, right. It, but my point is they could have been hungry. They could have been starving. The actual report says that they charged at them, and the American in the book says they were charged at. The book makes the distinction that they weren't actually charged at. Yeah, but that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. I yeah. know, but my point is it's possible in real life they weren't charged at either. I'm not saying that's what happened, but that's possible. I understand that. But with whatever, go ahead. I I I mean, I was gonna make the the same point Sean uh, Phil was, but a, a more abbreviated way. The book, you know, takes it from the lion's point of view, and it's you know possible that they just you know were turning around, and you know there was no charging about it. The you know you see you see lions in the wild face you, you go, oh shit. And you, you know, if you have a big gun, you shoot it. Okay. Yeah, sure. I just, uh, I mean, I, I got all that from the book, but hearing the, mm. the, the real story just recontextualizes it, in my view. I, I, I don't, I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but I really like that ending a lot. I, I, uh, just, so just to put this out there i'm a lot more interested similar to the way we did mouse i'm a lot more interested in in your discussion about it um i don't have anything super specific to say so uh let's see where it goes well okay i really like the ending a lot because the americans accidentally kill the lion and they said what americans always say in the context of the Iraq war, because this is what this kind of is about is that period of Iraq is we had to, for the greater good, which is like symbolic of the United States interfering in Iraq when there were no like weapons of mass destruction or whatever. I'm saying like we had to do what we had to do for the greater good. And the lions represent like innocent Iraqi people caught in the crossfire. So it was kind of like a greater political statement, like a, a, a social statement about uh, born foreigners intervening, intervening in like day-to-day Iraq affairs and um, at the time especially at the time of the publication I, I think that's a pretty uh, excellent way to end this kind of allegory yeah and I think uh, to that um, that's a great way to put it folks because I, I guess I hadn't made that sort of connection that this is sort of it is from that perspective of uh, sure, an invasion, but also the the invasion where the the lions themselves are metaphorically the Iraqis, and so, um, yeah, I, I think that provides a, a sort of a deeper context for me because it, it sort of uh, it recontextualizes what the the journey essentially was. I think it 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 gives it a different, uh, I guess it gives it a different theme because there's a di- there's different subtext there. Yeah, uh, Phil, I, I took that scene in a similar way where I, I took it to – I took the soldier prematurely shooting um, – we just said his name. What's the old – the male Zill. Zil. 
Zill. I, I took the soldier shooting Zill to be representative of the um the fear of the potential hurt that yeah. the that the lions could do, right? And the lions being allegorical for the Iraqis, I thought was supposed you know, was a, a line that was drawn intentionally throughout the story. And I think having them be uh gunned down by American soldiers you know, by seemingly by accident, right? Out of fear, yeah. um, felt like a really. It felt like it brought the whole story full circle. Yeah. I I thought of that, um, but the the thing that hit home for me the most in the immediate was um, uh, cop killings, like co- cops killing, oh. you know, young minorities and whatnot. Uh, Interesting. I, I immediately went to that in my mind because the narrative was, you know, oh, I guess you had to, you know, oh, they were cutting, he was coming at me or they were coming at me. Um, and that's where my mind went. That, that does explain the feeling I got in the panel specifically, uh, where, you know, the, I, I guess it's the, um, you know, the commanding officer or whatever is, he's got his hand on, on uh, one of the lions and he says, uh, you didn't have a choice. I know. Yeah. And uh, right. yeah, this since since I read it a couple of days ago, and then again today, that panel specifically has sat really weird with me, and I couldn't place why. And I think that's it. Wow, shit! Yeah, I didn't consider that, but fuck. And what's so funny is that that wasn't really a thing we were talking about in two thousand three. Mm-hmm. So, well, this this was actually published. This book was actually published in two thousand six. Sorry. Okay. Uh, but in, in two thousand so yes, but yeah. Um, and and it's just cool how it takes on even more relevance and almost a different spin when you look yeah. at it with modern eyes. Well, I think I think that ties in with a larger point of the book because it's all about liberation, right? Like the the very beginning. Uh, what, what's what's the main uh, younger female lion's name? Noor. Noor. She's all about trying to liberate the zoo. She mm. can't live by being fed and taken care of by the zookeepers because it's like being in prison. Uh, and she tries to collaborate with all the other animals in the zoo to be liberated, and every lion has a different perspective on this. But for Zill, Zill wants to see the horizon because that's what he remembers from before being in the zoo. And it, you talk about it being full circle, Pete. The very first page are the birds saying the sky is falling, and for the lions, the sky fell on that those, those last panels when they finally saw the horizon because they get shot. And I think to Sean's point, everything yeah. takes on new meaning with each generation because the Iraq war, while the ramifications are still being felt to this day, uh, isn't as socially pertinent as it was 10 years ago in like the zeitgeist. But uh, the police killing defenseless minorities is extremely relevant right now. And... You know, groups like Black Lives Matter or, or any group like that, it's all about trying to be liberated from, in that case, you know, being murdered by, you know, police or whatever. So, shit, this book rules. <laughs> well, I think I think the thing that you said, uh, Sean, is interesting too because not only is it, I think, a book that, like, grows with time, I think it's a book that means... Well, that I, I should say probably means different things to different people depending on where you're from. You know, like that's your reaction as an American living in 2018. I bet 
an Iraqi person who read it would feel differently even in 2018, you know? And, like, I think that's... It, it speaks volumes about how well the themes are woven throughout the book that you can apply what it's saying to plenty of different situations w- with similar, like, cycles of violence and and power. Yeah, absolutely. I think any time there's some variety of oppression, you'll derive... Uh, you'll be able to relate to it from that perspective based on the situation that you are experiencing or that's culturally significant on where you are, when you are. Yeah. Cause I, I think it's interesting because going into this book um, and even once I realized that it was about lions, I, I was looking at it um, like, it, like obviously it's set during a relevant political moment close to when it was written so i think that's obviously the intent is for you to look at it that way but um i i do think that brian k vaughn is just he's a really good writer and i think the thing that he's always been the best at is exploring themes and and human feelings through like situations that don't necessarily like have to be like literal So, like, the book I most closely um, compared this to in my mind was, as you did before, Phil, was was Babylon, you know, by uh, by King and Jarad's because it's in a similar setting and it's about a similar time, you know? And I I was looking for those themes to be, um, you know, I guess present there. But I thought it was interesting that when I walked away from it, I don't feel like this is, like... Like, it's a book that is in many ways allegorical for the Iraq War, but I don't think it's really necessarily just about the Iraq War. It is more about the underlying themes of power and freedom and oppression and the price you're willing to pay and and those sorts of things, which are universal stories. Those are universal um, things that many peoples have struggled with for all of human history. You know, and I think that's like it makes it work on a level aside from the kind of like loose historical fiction that it is. This, this really is a competition. It turned out to see who will talk more between Pete and I. I'm ready to go, Pete. Let's do it. So 2001 <laughs> was a turbulent time for America. <laughs> nah, it's 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 just uh, it's just a great book, and I think th- this this book exemplifies why Brian K. Vaughn is one of my favorite writers is that this is, he's really good at picking one thing he wants to talk about and, and finding a way to explore it and how he feels about it with the reader. Hmm. And I think that is clearly what he's doing here as well. And I think to, to that Pete, like he does that through his characters and, and the, the way that to something that, Phil said uh, regarding the way that you know generations view sort of the, the the concept of freedom, being able to explore those different themes and those different perspectives within the different generations of like between Ali, between Nora, Zil, and Safa, and the way that they approach the keepers, the um, the the state that they were in. Um, he, he's able to do that just through these characters, and I think that's why he's just an awesome storyteller. Yeah, like. Just one last thing, uh, based on what you just said, Marco. I think that is something that also made this stand out to me from a lot of the choices we've made in our book club recently, 
when we've been doing these shorter series, um, at least one of us almost every time has been critical of something about how characters were developed that it didn't feel like we were getting enough of them or like we didn't necessarily feel like they were well developed or that their motivations weren't always clear or and and that's each of us feeling differently about the last several submissions i don't know about you guys i'm interested to hear i didn't feel that way about this book at all uh to marco's point i thought every one of these characters felt well developed and i understood their their position and why they felt that way mm-hmm. and how their experience or their age or their lack of age or experience informed why they felt that I way. I don't know if they were developed, but I don't know if they needed to be developed either. I think, I think, um, Safa is developed because you get a bit of exposition with her. Uh, she is cautious of the concept of freedom because to her freedom represents danger. And you see, and Kel mentioned this on the outside, a very explicit uh, history of her where you see where she, she's very scarred uh, both emotionally and physically uh, from being uh, uh, brutally assaulted by four male lions uh, when she was younger. So to her... Like six. Was it six? Yeah. Dang. All right. Yeah. And and Fuck. just uh, not to derail your, your point here, but like that would be m- probably one small well depending on you know your view of it i guess but that for me that's probably a a small critique i would have for this book it's just like damn dude you gotta go that hard well for me i I thought about it from a i i i i don't want to derail from the characterizations but for me i thought brian k von did a really good job kind of kind of taking the characters and still making them lions uh, in, in prides of lions, uh, the females are the hunters, and the males have like harems of female lions. Mm-hmm. Uh, multiple, like one male lion has a harem of multiple female women, um, mm-hmm. and male lions are constantly very aggressive toward other female lions trying to move on to other prides. And I, I looked at it and I was like, like shit, this is lions. This is the shit they do, and it's, it's messed up. But like at the same time. It's, it's lion shit. It's in their, you know, instincts or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think it like it is a, it is uncomfortable, but I think it, I think it's one of the reasons that Safa does feel so developed is that like you get a sense for why that experience informs her character, and I think, it, it, at least in my mind, like. I I always want to err on the side of caution when it comes to not like um, being gratuitous with with that sort of subject matter. But I feel like when used well, it it's something that does happen, right? Like it's it's a real thing, and and especially to Phil's point in this situation where you're talking about the brutality of nature, like that it. it that scene is powerful because it's uncomfortable. She she for me represents. The pre Baath Baghdad, uh, that kind of, before Saddam Hussein took over uh, Iraq, it was a bunch of different kind of uh, groups trying to vie for power and stuff. So this is a lot of chaos and anarchy and stuff like that. And for her, that's like that's the reality of freedom. It's it's just there's, there are no rules, there are no constraints. Her in captivity is comfortable. She's fed multiple times a day. Uh, where Nor only sees it as oppression 
And so she kind of represents that older Iraqi person that saw Saddam Hussein as someone stabilizing them in their captivity. I really... Maybe we should break this down character by character, but I really like Safa's character here because she's she's reluctant the entire time to leave the zoo, even after it blows up. Well, I I, I mean that's that's very true, but I wanted to get a word in edgewise about the prior subject. Sure. Uh, well, sorry. That's all right. So, <clears throat> um, with 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 Safa and, and what we see of her past, I I read this whole book thinking about them as human beings. And so my thought was, well, shit, man, that's real for us, too. It's not just real for them. That's real for women in real life. Um, Especially in a war-torn sure. country. And if you, you know, if the book is about freedom versus, you know, slavery or, or captivity or whatever alternative to freedom you want to you wanna talk about, you think about a destabilized environment, Right. You think about a, a, an environment with no rules or laws, with no governments. Uh, this is what would happen. This is absolutely what would happen. Um, and, and it's a and it's a harsh reality. There would be more rape. There would be more murder. There would be more violence, more brutality. All of those things would happen. And so for Safa, as for um, you know, lots of real humans, that's not appealing. It's not appealing to, to have a system uh, of lawlessness. And a lot of people advocate for that. And this is a showcase of why that would be not cool. Mm. And I think... And, and <clears throat> key. Wait, wait, wait. wait. And Mark, what do you, uh, what, when you say that sentence, what does that mean? Yeah, okay. Sentence, <laughs> After Sean just said all this stuff and you chanted that, what's that mean? <laughs> okay. My joke? <laughs> cool, so Safa... <laughs> Well, okay, so then her contrast in this is Noor, who can't stand the idea of captivity. And Safa's whole thing is, you don't remember what it was like being beforehand. And she's like, yes, I do. I remember eating a rabbit. And she's like, it's hardly a rabbit, it was a hare. But for Noor, she's trying to negotiate with all the other animals in the zoo. She's like a tactician. She's like trying to negotiate. She says, like, oh, listen, the monkeys will help us. And it's kind of like, wait, the monkeys can't be trusted. And the antelopes are like, the minute we get out of here... You're going to eat us. And Nora's uh, like, no, like, gore the humans so we can get out of here. Because the monkeys will take their keys and they promise to let us out first. And they will not negotiate. Which is also kind of ties together what I, with what I said earlier. Because they have an opportunity to eat the antelope when the zoo explodes. And Nora, in the same case with Zill and the bear and Safa with the human, will not eat. The antelope, because she says, let it be proven that lions are true to their word. I really like that. I really like Nora as a character, because she's the idealist. Uh, she has a clear vision of what she's, like, wants. She has a clear vision of liberation. And there's that line where she's like, I knew the camels were lying. It's not a desert outside of here, because it's it's Babylon. It's, it's like a paradise. Um... And she was naive. Right. And that, that was what I wanted to say is I really liked the contrast between those two characters because Nor is like all those things you're saying are true, but she's a fool. She's a child. You know, like her ideals are, are great in principle, but she's wrong. 
on the other side of the, the, the fence wasn't a paradise. Yeah, they saw Babylon in that moment, but, like, the reality of, of her escape plan working was the exact same end that we saw here, was them getting gunned down in the streets, yeah. you know? And, well, and, and Safa is ultimately right. Like, you could say what you will about her, that she is choosing captivity over freedom and all those things, but her solution was the, you know, like, was the most, um, the one that was most based in reason and logic. But even putting that aside, from the moment they decide to, to bust the joint, the monkeys betray them and take the kid. So if it, yeah. if it wasn't for Safa, they would have been done because they couldn't get where the monkeys were. The monkeys were going to run away with the kids. So I feel like she was wrong from the get-go. And, yeah, you know, that, that was a... From that, like, it was clear that she didn't know what she was talking about when she was going on about how she used to eat rabbits and she didn't mm-hmm. use to eat rabbits. Um, and she paid, she nearly paid the price for her foolishness. And if it wasn't for Safa, she would have. I, I don't agree with that. Um, I think, I think oh, it's... Oh, imagine sure. that. I knew you guys had a comment there. Uh... <laughs> She was right to an extent because when they did break out, the surrounding was a, ha- a paradise. What ultimately went wrong and why they kept moving away is because tanks ravaged the forest and they moved into a burning, desolate city because the, the reality of freedom is that you are no longer shackled by routine. Everything is out in the open. And for her, as in, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, yeah, for her, that's worse than anything. She can't stand being shackled in, basically, in prison. Because when you're in prison, for instance, your foods are provided uh, and you have shelter. But for her, that what, what life is worth living in a prison? So she wants she wants to take her chances outside. And sure, true, it's naivety because she doesn't know what's out beyond the borders of the zoo. But I think what the book's trying to say is the entire reason they leave the zoo is because of extreme circumstances, because the zoo blows up, right? And that's yeah. what leads to their death is because of the extreme circumstances, which is the Iraq War, and that. That comes with freedom is is the anarchy of life. You completely ignored what I said about the fact that the monkeys took her child because of her being naive. That's a complete fact. Well, that that was because of Ali's naivety. Because there was another explosion that separated the lions. Because I, that wasn't his naivety. He got caught in the crossfire and then blew up next to not the lions. victim blaming dog. No. Uh, no, yeah. Ali represents op- see that's the other thing is I think Ali represents optimism because he wants to be friends with the monkeys and when he says oh your place smells bad he thinks like oh this is my fault this is happening and he apologizes what are you talking about he doesn't want to be friends with yeah. them he literally like his his first reaction is get away from me I don't want you to touch me I want to go back to my mom like yeah no dude like you're you're misremembering that that encounter. Either way, either way, he still says your place smells bad, and he thinks it's his fault. They want to cut into him. He says, "Oh, I'm sorry. Your place smells great." Yes. And, yes. 
uh, they don't let him go, and they plan to cutting into him. And I think that represents like his kind of blind optimism. And I don't think that's the fault. Like at that point, they hadn't, you know, you know, left the zoos yet. The the, the, the explosions had ravaged the zoo. But no, they you're wrong. They wanted to leave, and Safa said, "I'm not doing that, and neither should you." And they're like, "All right, well, we're out." And they go and leave. They go to leave, and then the explosion happens, and then Ali gets taken. But yeah, if they had listened to Safa. That wouldn't have happened. They go to leave, but before they leave, the explosion happens. Like, it and then their child gets taken while they're still in the zoo. <laughs> yeah, but Sean's point is that if they had stayed in their cage, that wouldn't have happened. Yeah, it it was naive of her to think that another bomb wouldn't come like obviously she doesn't know but i i think yeah like i i I took i took that her entire like set of actions is rooted in this very like give me liberty or give me death right like freedom is more important than security but that's easy to say when you don't have Safra's experience, when you've lived your entire life in captivity and you're mad at your captor, but you've been safe and warm and fed. Whereas as soon as she gets a taste of the real world, her child is, is taken from her and is nearly mutilated and is at the very, at the very least cut. And they are subject to the continued assault of the bombs and then all of these other hardships that come because of the assertion that, well, freedom is more valuable than, than the evil that we know. I, I think that I, I think there is a naivety, but the naivety is her believing that the monkeys wouldn't do this because she's like, wait, the monkeys, they agreed to help us. Sure. I don't think the naivety is them wanting to leave the zoo necessarily, but I think what you're saying, Pete is true. I'm saying it's not to them wanting to leave the zoo. It's her saying that the consequences of leaving the zoo don't matter when you don't know what those consequences are and you've never experienced pain. That's Safra's whole point is that, yeah, you can go out there and live like that, but you might die or you might go hungry or you might go blind or you might get assaulted. And that is her experience because she really lived it. Safra is a young person, and I think, like you said, she's representative of a radical. Noor. Of a young Noor. person. Noor. Who, Noor, Noor. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, Noor is representative of a young person of a radical who only knows the status quo and says, well, it doesn't matter if tearing down the system results in anarchy because the system is broken. And her attitude yeah. is that that's stupid. That's naive. That's a young that's a young person's game. I want to live and die of old age. And if the price of that is the zoo, so be it. And that's her mentality. And I don't think it's. I don't think that Nora's wrong for wanting to be free. She's wrong to not consider the price of freedom, which could be her son, and would have been if it wasn't for Safra. Right. And Safra's wisdom. I think that. Oh, Zill, I guess, is the other character here. Um. Zill, I guess, represents to me the price of com- of, of comfort and security because he's he, he can't run with the other lions because he's a little chubby or whatever. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was just I, I thought it was well, just like, his, his thing. Yeah, his thing is that he's a male lion. That's not really well. Yeah, but also he right. can't like continue to have sex with uh, uh, 
do it either because he's like, hey, go on. I, I think the implication is that he is the most comfortable uh, of the other lines, even though he misses the horizon. I agree. Yeah. I, yeah, I guess I yeah. know a little bit more about lions because male lions are like that. I know, I know, yeah. I know, I know. Yeah, they I, don't do shit. Yeah, but like, I think what I think what Phil's saying is true though. That like that that I think that that we're supposed to take away that he's fat and lazy because he's comfortable. Yeah, I think that's what the point was meant to be. Like that's yeah. what the character is meant to convey, and and they just played it into what a lion does. Right, because he says I can't yeah. run because I'm fat, yeah. not because I'm a male and I don't run. He says that about hunting. And that's when he's like, I'm not a hunter, I'm a right. fighter. And it's like, cool, right. But I, I, I did think that that was supposed to be the takeaway, that he was, like, softened by being the king of this fake castle. So the uh, so the uh, the description of, of Zill from uh, Brian K. Vaughn in uh, an article from uh, CBR from uh, back whatever the fuck uh, <laughs> says... Uh, uh, Zill is the oldest male lion, a benevolent opportunist who's willing to live under any kind of keeper so long as his family is fed. So, yeah, to me that is someone that seeks comfort. Because as long as his family is fed, like, that means he's being provided for, right? Uh, and he doesn't have yeah, to fight I... until he's put into an extreme circumstance where he has to fight. Yeah, I think I, I I think you're right. I think I think Zill is he's 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 just trying to get through it and get to his next meal. I thought in, it was... my, in my mind. Go ahead. No, no, you can say what you gotta say. In in my mind, Zill works a lot better if you envision him as a human, because uh, a lot of a lot of times, especially especially when you think about like modern culture where there's no you know, it's, it's funny to say this, but like, um, there was always the great war. There was always the great, uh, you know, movement or thing to do for for mm. me, for men, and there really yeah. hasn't been for a, a while. And as a result of that, um, especially if you look at like society today, there's a lot of um, commentary about men being lost, right, and mm. men being no longer being what they used to be, you know. And I think Zill represents that in my mind. He represents a man who's kind of let himself go because there's nothing for him to strive for. He's just he's working for the man, and he's doing what he has to do to put food on the table for his family. And mm-hmm. he'll he'll eat whatever shit he has to eat because at the end of the day, he wants to be comfortable. And I, I, I think that works better when you think about him as a human than an animal. Yeah, I, just well, to go along. Just to go alongside that, um, I also thought it was super interesting, and uh, when he, when Zill and uh, Noor go off to have sex, um, Ali and Ali mentions that um, they they use the same excuse uh, for when Zill would go off with Safa. I also thought about that. I was going to mention that before. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so, one, gross. Uh, but to, 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 to sort of go along uh, with uh, what Sean says and, and put it a bit cruder, 
um, you know, he'll he'll take what food is given to him. He'll take what pussy's given to him. Like, <laughs> the cats. There you go, dude. Um, uh-huh. I I don't think uh, Nora is the only one who's naive because I think Soph is naive too. Because when they show up to the mansion and they see the withering lion, uh, she's confronted with the idea of cruelty from humans, and she's like. No, humans aren't cruel. They right. fed us. They took care of us. Yep. That's why we wanted. That's why they didn't eat the other humans. She has a very positive association with humans. Uh, they. And it's in the setting that she has been comfortable in, right. which is captivity. And she's confronted with this kind of juxtaposition because when they first walk into the mansion, they see a giant portrait of a lion with wings, which is like a free lion. Because earlier in the book, Zill makes a comment that's like. Uh, so I, I don't know the exact line, but it's something to affect about what's more free than these birds above us because they can fly anywhere, which is like a common metaphor. You know, birds are free because they can go anywhere they want kind of thing. Uh, so this withering lion, in the, uh, presumably representing the portrait, you know, was once like a, like a free lion or whatever, and now he's shackled because uh, Nora makes the point, who shackled him? Who tied him down? Humans. And, and yeah, Sapa, no, no claws, no teeth. No claws, no teeth. And who did that? Uh, certainly not the bear. The bear was certainly a torturer, but human. Yeah, I I felt like uh, her her the the way in which she's naive is a bit more understandable because she has no experience with that. She has no experience with and no one to tell her differently than hey, humans can be cruel. Uh, humans can be awful towards uh, animals, towards you know the people that they're responsible for. Um, she doesn't know that, and she thinks she knows everything because she thinks she's seen it all. And up until that point, for what's for what she could have seen, she had seen it all. So yeah, she is naive, um, but she doesn't have a way of knowing. Yeah, I mean, she's just she's just a, as naive as Noor. Yeah, and, and to me, it, I think if you want to make like a human association, that's like an older person who's told any authority figure that they respect in their life did something bad. Like they can't accept that. No, that person didn't do that. I know, I know that person. They wouldn't do that. Or I know that institution. Or I, I guess like a good metaphor or a good a good relation is a lot of Catholics when they were confronted with a lot of the really bad stuff priests were doing to children a lot of catholics were like priests wouldn't do that like they're holy they're holy men or or even within the context of of the book like it's the ability the inability for uh safa to view the humans in any other way and the ability for nor to do that and to preemptively think that okay this is a possibility that i'm looking to avoid which is what sort of is the the catalyst for her character of trying to escape because she does this routine and this is scary for her because it's not secure. It's only secure up until something changes. Uh, and I also think the book is trying to make a point about picking a side. Uh, I think Zill represents, we've kind of talked about it, he doesn't really uh, pick any side he doesn't really say oh we got to get out of like, he he or he'll like have a dialogue but he's kind of easily swayed with whatever the majority wants to do 
like, oh, I don't want to go uh, hunt those horses or whatever. There was a scene where uh, Zil, or, uh, Noon leaves them, and the rest of them are like, no, we're going to stay here. And they're like, all right, I should come back. Uh, he's kind of easily swayed by everything. But... Or like... I th- the example that you gave of the human, right? Like, he's like, oh, what does it matter? We're going to eat the human. And then as soon as it's like, oh, come over here, he's like, okay. Yeah, and exactly. Uh, <laughs> but when they meet the turtle, who is older than all of them, the turtle is like the old wise sage, and they ask, like, what are the what are the keepers fighting over? Or, or whatever. And the turtle's like, it doesn't matter, because ultimately... When when they fight, you lose your wife, you lose your kids, and you lose every friend you ever made. And he's like, "What does it matter?" Kind of thing. He's like, kind of a, like a, he's jaded because of of human conflict. And I think to Sean's point about men being lost, it isn't until Zill fights the bear when he has a purpose. He's a fighter that he makes a stand. Finally, he says, "Well, no, we're not going to eat the bear because that's his decision." Yeah, uh, to to borrow a, a term that Sean usually likes to use when we talk about like story structure, that's the first time he's an actor. Yeah. That's mm. the first time he makes a decision and actually follows through with it. Mm. Let's uh, let's talk about Ali for just a second. Um, there's not a ton to him, right? We've already addressed that he he really represents the the optimism of of children and. Yeah. And, yeah. and he gets he gets scooped up by the monkeys and and almost dies and there's not a ton more to that character right because there's you know he's he's really too young to have much of a personality. Um, yeah, he's just a naive kid. He's, yeah, he's an impressionable. So kid. so what I just want to have like a little I don't know thought experiment here. Had he not been killed, do you think he would have grown? into one of these three and which one i think he uh maybe the turtle dog you can give it a second if you want are you saying i'm wrong (laughs) (laughs) no i'm just saying like you jumped in there you take a second it's fine well my my thought is the turtle we're we're not live (laughs) (laughs) the turtle his experiences are a direct reaction to man conflict the hmm. black oil underneath him there's that panel uh where all the animals are like drowning in oil or whatever mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and everyone he knows died yeah, from yeah. man so that's why my first thought is if he's going to be anyone would be like the turtle because his direct react his direct interaction in this book is a consequence of foreigners the lion statue on top of the man at the end of the book, right? Uh, the soldiers that killed them are the foreigners. So I think if he didn't die, he'd be the turtle jaded over foreigners killing his friends and family, which I think is like the everyday Iraqis. Because I think if you're an everyday Iraqi and you see all your friends and family killed by war, you'd be, you'd be jaded by war, especially foreigners coming into your country and killing you and your friends. Especially because I think I think it's clear that because he's portrayed as kind of an impressionable child that each of the characters that he spends time with do leave an impression on him. 
And I think if he survives and he sees his his pride murdered by humans, he doesn't become Safra because he will fear or hate right. humans, right? I think his attitude about um, like liberty or freedom will also then be you know, not like his mother's and would be more in line with Safra because of his experience with tragedy and with freedom ending He'd in death. probably know the cost right? of freedom. Sure. But... I, yeah. And I, I don't think it would lead to him being, like, having a nuanced opinion about it, though. I do think it would be a thing of, of, of maybe a little bit of fear. And I think, like, to compare him to... Zil. Um, the Zill, thank you, because I can't remember his name. Uh... Zill, I don't think, I don't think psychologically he'd be able to achieve that level of complacency. No, because he'd become Batman, basically. Or the, or like, or the turtle. You know, it's like it's or uh, it reminds me of that like that subplot in like um, one of the more recent seasons of like BoJack too, where it's like just the idea of somebody who experiences so much grief that they just they just give up. Well, the yeah yeah, I was joking about Batman, but the the thing in the Jungle Book. Is that Shere Khan hates man because man killed other tigers or whatever, and so it's, it'd be possible that that right. that cub Ali would have a vendetta against humans. I, I I sort of see it as like not that he'd have a vendetta; he'd be definitely wary, and and he wouldn't be able to trust. So I, I think in in any scenario he'd be in, he would never be sort of comfortable. It would always be like this level of tension because to your point, he has experienced the cost of freedom and, and going back into captivity is to him, you know, he, he had experienced that since birth was broken out because of random circumstances. So whether he's out in, in the field or whether he's in captivity, he won't be or reach that level of complacency. I think ever because he'll be, on edge for not having a place that is safe because of his experiences in either realm of the um, idealism that uh, Nor provided or that Safa provided. It'll it'll never be either one of those. It'll be some sort of maybe more realist approach that is like this can never be achieved, but maybe the closest thing to it can be. Shit, right? Like, yeah, his whole mentality would have to be that safety is an illusion because even in the safest most mundane like you know future that his mother could imagine that didn't happen it's exactly what i was going to say Pete. Yeah. if you're ali how can you return to captivity that's provided by humans hmm. uh sean mm-hmm. yeah i was i was going to say that i i don't think he would reflect accurately any of the characters because he's the only one who's experienced both sides so hmm. he would inevitably yes. come out different than everyone um, and and as far as whether or not he could accept captivity ever again, uh, I think he would. I think he would because ultimately, mm-hmm. and again, you know, if you look at this from the perspective of he's a human, uh, human beings like animals need certain things and will do a lot to have those things afforded to them or to provide them for themselves and. Mm-hmm. He's an animal. He cannot provide shelter or food as easily as human beings can. Uh, so I think that he would ultimately accept it because he would have to. I don't think I, I, when in in 
conflict, in real life conflict, a lot of people, when they fight in a war, can it takes decades for them to return to a country they fought in because of the trauma that is induced from fighting in that country, right? A lot of Vietnam soldiers mm. couldn't return to Vietnam for decades after the, after the war because of how traumatizing a conflict like Vietnam is. I think for him, because humans were responsible for the death of his family, his pride, I don't think he could be in captivity by humans because the humans are responsible for the death of his pride. So while there's comfort in captivity, I don't think psychologically he'd be able to do it because of who his captors are. The difference is that there was nothing for those soldiers in Vietnam. They don't live there, and they were able to provide for themselves at home. So there's no reason to go. Uh, He eventually will need some kind of consistent form of food. He doesn't have a pride. He's alone. Um, how's he going to survive? Those are things that I, uh, you know, I would imagine that he would think about, and I would also imagine that humans would think about, and they do think about. So I think, uh, you know, he would have to put down those feelings in order to have the security that he so desires, just like any other creature on this planet. So he, he probably... Or, or literally even just surviving, because, like, he's an animal. He would be taken back into captivity, and it would be accept captivity or be put so down. So he'd probably, probably be the turtle then, just jaded. Yeah. That's that's my thought, is just surviving. Like, just, just literally doing the best you can to keep going. I don't know, jaded, maybe I, scarred. I defeated by it. You're, you're, yeah. you're provided, yeah. you that's... can eat and you have shelter, but... You're you're provided for by the people that took your family. <clears throat> let's uh, let's move on to the art. I love it. Yeah, it was it was really really good. It, it it has a really naturalistic kind of style, and I think it it establishes a lot of really really good moments. You know, I think um, mm-hmm. that moment where they finally reach the horizon is gorgeous. You know, like that feels like a really, that's the closest they get to a happy ending, you know? And uh, I think something that is hard to sort of do is uh, give emotion to to animals. Um, And I think he does that really well with uh, the way that, you know, he sort of draws the eyes and uh, the the way he's able to provide an expressiveness. Um, I think that's really, really cool because it is sometimes hard to, build a story that is off of animals if they don't look like the humans that they might sort of be thinking like or per- trying to portray. Um, and I think he does that really, really well. Uh, am I the only one who thought that every one of the lions was, like, completely looked exactly like characters from The Lion King? <laughs> I also felt I also felt like they looked yeah. like Lion King characters. I thought specifically Ali looks a lot yeah. like Simba. Oh, well, I thought yeah, old old uh, Zill looks like older Simba. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and 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 uh, Safa looks like female Scar kind of. Yeah. Well, there's a uh-huh. dude. The one yeah. dude, the the bad lion, looks exactly like Scar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I yeah, yeah that was it. Definitely has like heavy Lion King vibes. That was my first uh, takeaway. On that front, that that said, the bear looks like the bears from Brother Bear. So, <laughs> no, it doesn't. 
Yeah, if like yeah, if he was talk. like possessed by fucking Satan. Uh, well, I don't. Yeah, because the bear is evil. Why would he look like Brother Bear? Hey, dog. Bears look the same. Uh, evil bear. That fresh bear. That's that not... specious as fuck, my dude. Well, <laughs> get a bear in here. We'll talk about it. Uh, I really like the colors. Uh, there's a lot of reds for the violence when when Sapa yeah. is assaulted. Uh, a lot of the uh, surrounding part of the night, which is blue, is surrounded by red. Um, when Zill has that one-liner about it's our nature or whatever when he's fighting uh, the bear, like uh, Zill is like uh, covered in shades of red. Um, and at the end, the sunset is red before they get gunned down. And the next shot is the flag on the shoulder of the soldier, which like has the red stripes on it. So like there's like a lot of reds and stuff that I thought were really cool. I think that were meant to represent like the brutality of freedom, maybe. Uh, that was just my thought. Uh, there was a lot of yellow too, uh, mm-hmm. like the sky yeah. is often yellow. Uh, um, kind of like a sheriff to ba- uh, a Babylon co- kind of coloring, like the same sort of setting and same kind of yellowish. Yeah, undertone. and the horses were surrounded by yellow, and I, 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 I was trying to figure out why. Yeah, I, I, that was something I was I was thinking about too because like I think that there's definitely a lot of like color symbolism yeah. going on here, and yellow can mean a lot of things, but I wondered if in those situations because a lot of those were just in some of the more naturalistic kind of settings of like the cityscape and stuff yeah. like that. I wondered if that was just supposed to be representative of the color palette of the region, that there is like a a, a warmness you know to um, you know, to Iraq in general, like, and then like I think that also reminded me of the opening shot where they show, um, I don't remember which line it is. Is it Nor first? Either way, they they Zill. show. Okay, I think you're right, and they show Zill, and you can't tell it's a zoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like he's on the savanna. I think it was supposed to be just framing the city as like a savanna. Almost, you know, as like a domain for them. That was how I read it, anyway. I feel, yeah, I feel like a lot of the yellow was nature. Like that color palette was supposed yeah. to represent, like, huh. sort of. Well, this is how nature goes. Like, so the in that specific mood. instance, well, bear was under the horses. Horses are gonna stampede. Marco, what do you think? <laughs> You're usually pretty good at picking up kind of visual metaphors and symbolism. Uh, I, I sort of just viewed it as like mood, um, just sort of setting that throughout the book and keeping it uh, just consistent. Um, and I, I think to, to Pete's point about like the, the setting, um, trying to make it that sort of warmer feel, I think uh, I think that's probably like one, one of the reasons they pushed through that. I, I, was, I was really blown away by the art. I thought it was incredible. Um, this is actually one of the best looking books yeah. I think I've ever seen. And I don't understand why I haven't seen this artist around more. True. Right? Like, where is this dude? Yeah, especially, like, working with... Uh... Yeah. Well, Kale looks this up. I'm going to make a sarcastic comment. Um, Yeah, especially, like, working on this book with BKV right after, like, Why the Last Man and Ex Machina when he was, like, kind of at the beginning of his rise... You know, or, like, not at the beginning, but, like, 
that's coming off the first of his like most well-known works and like it's it's weird it's weird that that this this person didn't have more notoriety after this or or more of a career yeah he he did some he did some covers for uh for marvel um Mm. and apparently he actually worked on um the all new all different uh doctor strange oh i didn't know but i'm not I'm not sure what his role was on that book. I'm looking it up right now. Um, go ahead. Yeah, I've got he uh, his first big work was a title called uh, Barnum by uh, Howard Chaikin. Um, he did a bunch for Fables uh, and Sandman okay. uh, and Spider Man apparently. Uh, but it's it seems like he he most regularly provides covers for the big two. So. Uh, so guys. I, I read this at work today because I'm a bad employee, uh, and hmm? my coworkers looked at me because I there was a scene in the book where I went Puh! out loud. Uh, it was a scene where the giraffe is just like, "What a glorious day!" Oh, or whatever. Yeah, that was his wild, head just gets yeah. blown up, and I was like, Puh! "Whoa!" <laughs> I love it too because like he's screaming like religious. Yeah. He's like, oh, the old ones have answered our that prayers! And then his head just explodes. It's just like, Jesus. I like giraffes a lot, and I was just like, oh, shit. <laughs> the poor giraffe. <laughs> and then, deeply and then all the lions got shot very grotesquely, my dad, just covered in bullet holes. And I was, I was Yeah, like, dude, that was me. rough. Like, they were just put down. I was like, fuck. That, it, literally within, like, the same two pages, I think, or like a page. It, it happened just, that so was quickly rough and, and quick. unceremoniously. Yeah, it's just over. I had to flip back to be like, all right, I saw that Zill went flop. What the fuck was that? I'm like sipping over. They're just getting shot at now. What's going on? Oh, shit. That was a bully going through yeah. his head. Oh, shit. Yep. I had the same the same reaction. It, it, just real quick, uh, I just kept looking it up because I was curious. And the last issue that I could find that uh, Nico had worked on is actually uh, – Doctor Strange comic that came out in October of this year. Okay. He was the interior. Oh wow. Okay. So. Oh really? So he's still out there. Oh. It's just we're gonna have to find him. I'm, so, I'm surprised. I'm just surprised he's not a bigger name because this is this is exceptional work. Uh, I I think the ending is kind of that's appropriate. Because I think for most people, most people don't have kind of a drawn out death where they get to say like their goodbyes and everything. Like most people's goodbyes are abrupt and that's what happened to the Lions here. And it, it, it kind of was just a firm punctuation mark for where they are and when they are. And you don't really get a satisfying resolution, but you're not really meant to either. Yeah, yeah. I think it, I think it speaks to um, kind of like the point we made earlier about Safra's backstory and like nature, right? That it's just like not all, not everything has meaning, yeah. you know. And like sometimes you just die. Yeah, that's that's exactly how I kind of thought about it. Yeah. I I also. I also thought um, that they were 
you know, and again, when you when you apply them to when you apply the allegory of them as humans, especially them as uh, civilians in the crossfire of a war, right. they were inconsequential. They're just yeah. pawns on the board. Um, they don't matter, and uh, not even to the person that killed no, them. They're they're not relevant. So it, it's kind of in yep. a way a story that's just in the pocket of something much bigger. And we know the bigger story. You know, we're all familiar with the bigger story. This is the small story, and there are millions of these. You know, because yeah, there are millions of humans who are all, who are destabilized, murdered, um, who 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 suffered horrendous things. But then, when you also think about the animals, which is something that really never comes up, um, how many animals died callously, cruelly, by mistake, all kinds of things um, in situations that in situations like this. You know, and, and there are real casualties that aren't responsible, that aren't actors, that aren't involved. And I think that was the lesson there. I, I was talking to a friend earlier today because uh, the day we're recording this is 11-11-18, which is the 100th anniversary of when World War One ended. And he was telling me this story how the uh, parties involved in signing the, the, the treaties to the end of war deliberately w- waited for the 11th hour on the 11th day of the 11th month to sign this treaty. But a lot of people died waiting for the treaties to be signed because, you know, they deliberately waited days to be like, you know what, let's wait for this symbolic time to sign this ceasefire. But a lot of people just died because the war still happened while they agreed on it. All right, we'll stop. We'll cease fire on this day next week or whatever. And it just speaks to that like this is the big picture. We're ending it here, and it's a symbolic day. We're gonna end this the war to end all wars, as they call it. But the littler story is how many people died and how many people were casualties. And that's kind of what this is. It's the littler story of casualties of war. You're absolutely right, and it's unfortunate that that's never the bigger story. And I think it's great. So I, I'm a huge fan of uh, music that spawned out of the Iraq War, uh, especially like a lot of rock music and punk music around that time was definitely heavily inspired. Um, <clears throat> and I always find myself going back to that because it's so charged. You know, those people were so passionate. And uh, this is one of the few comics that I've ever read that spun out of that time period and was clearly a reaction. Um, and the bo- of the books that I have read, uh, this is easily one of the best, uh, if not the best, because it, uh, it focuses on something that we don't talk about, you know. And uh, I'm really glad that we read this, and uh, I, just, I just love that about it. Yeah. Uh, I think it it this book does a really good job of of injecting the real the real tragic emotion of um, of innocence, um, you know, who are casualties um, caught up in a in a in a, a war that's not their fault. It's got nothing to do with them. And it, it kind of trivializes the entire point of the book. Because the argument is freedom versus captivity or oppression or what have you, but ultimately their choices did not matter that much because the choices were taken from them. You can say they because of the zoo blowing up and they 
wandered from the zoo, they were killed. But the reality is, in a war-torn environment like that, it really doesn't matter where you are because you're in an environment where you could die anywhere at any time. And if they'd stayed, they would have starved. It trivializes. It trivializes yep. kind of this grandiose philosophical argument to kind of make a point that sometimes choices are just taken for you. Yep. Just like I'm going to trivialize the ending of this podcast. Oh, look, at, look at you. <laughs> uh, thank you again, listener, for indulging in another one of our book clubs. Um, if you like this, you can find plenty more where this one came from on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, uh, or wherever you get your podcast. Um, what are we doing next month? Aquaman and uh, Klaus, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. We're doing two. Hot damn. Yeah, one of those was a user-requested yes. book from... Uh, and... Oh. No, sorry. Oh, go, go, go. It was from Ryan, right? Uh, yeah, one yeah. of those was a, then... a user-requested book from one Ryan Klubeck, a regular listener to the show who wrote in with his suggestions. So uh, we hope you'll do I the same. I guess to be more specific, because if you want to read along in time for those books to drop, it's Jeff Johns' Aquaman from the New 52 mm-hmm. and Klaus by Grant Morrison. Mm-hmm. Which is the one that was suggested by Ryan. So, and that's in time for yes. Christmas. That that's kind of our other thinking. There is it's a you know Santa Claus, you know, and Aquaman's for the movie. And the uh, that is going to be coming out on the fourteenth. So rather than the last uh, day of the the last Friday of the month, just because the movie comes out on the twenty first. Um, so we kind of got to want to get that out to you guys first. Um, and then Klaus would be sort of that supplemental back half of the so, book yeah, club. Hot damn. All right. Well, uh, thanks for tuning in and listening to this episode of the Comics Pals Book Club. And uh, we'll see you next month. We ain't. Bye, baby. We ain't lying. <laughs> get it? Cause Shut up, Marco. Ha, 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 ha.